Hi, it's John Bernadovich, your host of the H Like a Boss podcast. Welcome to season three. I've embarked on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals with the hope of finding what it takes to do HR Like a Boss. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. On today's show, I'm so excited to have Julie Noonan. Julie was introduced to me by a mutual friend, Nikki DiCarlo, who I know is a friend of many who are listening, and especially to Julie and myself. So Julie, welcome to the HR Like a Boss podcast. Thank you so much, John. I appreciate being here. So for those not as fortunate as myself and Nikki that uh, do not know you, can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, what you're working on these days, and your passion for HR? Sure. I am an executive coach and strategic change consultant. I grew up in HR. I have a passion for the strategic side of HR, meaning um, organizing the the, uh, people in such a way that they have their best productivity and the organization also has its best productivity. Um, So that's what I do these days. I own my own company, uh, Julie Noonan Consulting, and um, take clients from all over the country. Yeah, awesome. Well, for the the listeners, they probably know why you're on the show because that's what HR Like a Boss is all about is driving productivity and engagement and meaningful work for employees and being productive at it within the organizations that we serve and doing something good in the community as we're doing that. So super excited to have this conversation with you, Julie. I start all guests out with the same first question, which is how would you describe the purpose of human resources? Uh, I would describe the purpose of human resources as making sure that the organization is getting the right people into the right positions that both support their growth and their um, love, if you will, and also their ability to uh, be human and grow into their own purpose in their lives. And I think also to support the organization that then can support its people. It's a chicken and egg thing, but I think HR is right in the middle of that because the most important resource we, we all have in organizations is the people. Wow. I, I, I promise everyone, Julie's not read the book. She had, does not have the manuscript yeah. to, to go off of these answers. So that, that is spot on to what's <laughs> driven me to write this book and, and have this podcast. It's just so important to get that alignment between organization, leadership, managers, people, so that we can all proverbally row in the same direction and and achieve the results that we want personally and professionally and organizationally. So, so well said. Well, speaking of that, you're an executive coach. Your background is in HR. I I know you've worked with a lot of leaders over the course of your career. Mm -hmm. I wonder how you, what advice you would have for the HR professional that's trying to drive business results for their organization from their lens and their capacity within HR? I think probably um, one of the things that I have found, especially in the last few years, excuse me, as the boomers, the the end of the boomers, you know, are uh, looking at retirement, a lot of them won't retire. Um, But one thing that I would say from an HR perspective is uh, make sure that you're you're spending time breaking down the walls between those generations, because I think the boomers still have a lot to to leave on the table and to mentor the younger generations as far as leadership, base business skill, um, you know, experience, et cetera. And then the younger 
um, millennials and this the gen or the yeah the gen Xers that are coming into power or are already in power they have a lot of good innovative and creative solutions to bring so I think there needs to be um, a little bit more of a pairing and a complementary skill set shift between all of those uh, generations in the workforce. Yeah, we have so much that we can learn from yeah. so many different people, and that's a that's a driver within business always and in culture. There's so many great ideas, and not to think all of them have to come from people just like you age-wise or how you look or how you act or what you think. And I think that's the beauty of our world. I think it's sometimes, though, we get that's a conflict with how other people feel and we want to have our strong opinions known. And I, I don't know, sometimes people, I feel like they have to be right. But oh, in yeah. my mind, it's about getting it right. You know what I mean? It's about getting it right. It's not about being right. So I'm really curious as, as we kind of shift out of the kind of leadership capacity. Another business challenge is this great resignation. I saw a term of it called the big quit. I thought that was pretty Yeah, cool. I saw that as well. I wonder what your 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 belief is the reason why all that's happening and some strategies that the HR profession can go about to navigate through these challenging times. Mm. I think there are several uh factors at play in the big in the great resignation or the big quit. Um the first one is obviously the freedom or the uh perceived freedom that COVID uh, helped a lot of folks experience. Uh, they realized that some of the opportunities that they had were were all of a sudden um, available to them. A lot of side hustling started during uh, the COVID years, and as well as I think the um, the Generation Z or late late millennials are actually um, wanting to be more entrepreneurial. Whereas some of us in the later, earlier generations, sorry, our, we always perceived our career, you know, as, as a ladder. We wanted the, the, the corner office. We wanted to, you know, go up to the C-suite, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the attitude is entirely different now. Um, the, the, uh, from what I hear from a lot of that generation is, I want to own my own company. I want to own my own life. I want to um, determine my own rules. And I think that that contributed to the great resignation. In addition, I think um, a little bit of it as a rebellion against the rules, uh, the perceived rules of corporate, um, against the po political wranglings that are within a corporate environment that are natural in human systems, but aren't necessarily pleasant. Um, and I just think that if an HR organization wants to keep its its hand on the pulse, it really needs to focus on, and I think a lot of organizations are already doing this, um, taking a look at the values of those younger generations. What do they value? They value freedom. They value time. Work is not separate from life. It's part of life, and it's not bad. It's just part of life. And if work is part of life, I want to enjoy it as much as I do the other, you know, pieces of my life. And so <clears throat> I think if HR can put into place a little bit more understanding, coaching the leadership to help understand, look, we need to create an environment and a culture where freedom 
and the ability to be entrepreneurial, the ability to come up with ideas, make mistakes, and you know, not get thrown out the baby with the bathwater. I think that that's the biggest impact that HR can have is in coaching leadership to really take it within themselves to understand that the new culture and the new generation um, just want that freedom. Yeah, I think that's really profound. One of the things you reminded me of while you were sharing that, Julie, was the key. One of the key parts of doing HR like a boss is taking ownership. And yes. being a boss feels like owning your own business. And there's this sense of if you're in a corporate environment or you're a one-person HR department, looking at that as your own John Bernadovich Inc. or Julie Noonan Inc. or fill in the blank with the person's name. And I think there's a lot of risk aversion to starting a business. I know myself, having started several people, oftentimes marvel or ask me questions, how did you do that? And I think my risk tolerance is lower than most uh, and, and, and is lower allowing me the chance to go and do those things, to take those mm -hmm. per perceived risks because of what the outcome is. And, and you are right, freedom, autonomy, opportunity. But I will say this, when I worked in corporate America, one of the reasons why I stayed there for, for the company I worked for for nine years was I felt like I was my own boss in my own territory and my own responsibility to where they did a great job of providing a level of autonomy. The more that autonomy went away, the more disgruntled I became and eventually left. Mm -hmm. But I, I really I really feel like that's a profound way of doing it. And speaking of entrepreneurs, I know you know this show is sponsored by Willery, which is near and dear to my heart. We got to give them a quick shameless plug. It's always <laughs> a unique challenge for me in the middle of the podcast to say hello to Willery. We don't have this fancy like jingle set up to add into the podcast. It's just me bootstrapping this thing together with our marketing team. But Willery supported the HR Like a Boss podcast and the resources needed to put it on. Our purpose at Willery is to empower people and is focused on supporting mid-sized companies with their search, direct hire search, and staff augmentation needs, all in HR and payroll, alongside with our unique client-side HR technology practice. So if you're struggling to find talent in your HR apparel department, or you're not getting the return on your investment with your HR tech, please visit willery.com to learn more. All right, enough with the shameless plug. We'll get back to what everybody's here is my interview with you, Julie Noonan. So far, so great. You're doing an amazing job. Let's keep this going. So next question. There's got to be some suggestions, some tips, some ideas, some wisdom that you can share to the HR profession about helping the development of leaders and managers. We've talked a, a lot about them so far in this conversation and the importance of looking at generational differences within those leaders and managers, but what are some specific suggestions you have for HR to help them develop those individuals? Ooh, one of the things that I would highly recommend, and I, I hinted at it earlier, is reverse mentoring. And so matching up some of those those uh, older generations with the younger generations for for uh, combined learning and experience, tacit to explicit knowledge management exchange, that sort of thing. So that would be my number one. My number two is uh, perhaps to encourage HR uh, leaders who are in charge of uh, developing leadership programs and uh, developing leaders uh, via formal training, really take a look at 
are there new leadership competencies for this day and age? Making sure that they're not just throwing in what they've always had. We've always had 36 leadership competencies and here they are. Well, take a look at those and bounce them up against the values of the newer generations as well as the new uh, business norms that we have going on today. So for instance, should social media marketing and the ability to understand that whole um, new dynamic of the marketing spectrum, should that be a new leadership competency rather than just understanding sales? Should there be some sort of um, leadership competency around uh, technology, the cloud, you know, um, the the metaverse, et cetera, et cetera. What is coming down the pipe or actually what's already here that these leaders are going to wind up um, running into at some point along the way? And maybe it's more tactical than you would normally consider leadership development. But I think sprinkling in some of that now is going to save them a, a harsh uh, running into a brick wall later. Yeah, no, yeah. So, so such an important part. Again, we're talking about the the diversity of the generations and the impact mm -hmm. that that has. I, I know, staggering the statistic I heard. What's it? Four years into a management job is the first time on average a manager gets management training. Right. So really, really like backwards. Like, hey. I'm just going to throw you in this pool and figure out how to swim. And after you don't do it or struggle for four years of your life, oh, I'll give you a swimming lesson on how to how to teach you the right stroke. So why, why didn't we do this at the beginning? I think that's a, a really uh, unique perspective on it and one that's that's so important. Now, you mentioned in your comment, Julie, about this idea of reversed mentoring. Now, I can deduct what that means. I, I'm not as obviously savvy on that as you probably are. Can you give like specific examples of what does that mean? to have mm -hmm. reverse mentoring between boomers and younger generations? What were the specific things that, that fall into that? Absolutely. So um, the, the special thing about reverse mentoring, and it's not new, um, it's been around since 1990. Jack Welsh of GE actually coined the phrase, but it really has become more popular and has actually been acted on over the last maybe five years. And the reason why is because... Um, the, there was a big push for um, the boom, the boomer generation to share their knowledge before they walked out the door, and they had not been doing a good job of um, of mentoring, except for their succession plan specifically, mentoring the new uh, generations into either the industry or into leadership um, as a competency, and so. Um, as the boomers started to retire, and we all saw it coming, which is the funny thing, we, we started talking about this great generation that was going to walk out the door and how do we keep their knowledge. We started talking about that a long time ago, but what really, really revved it up was when COVID hit two years ago, we lost a lot of boomers at that time and not from the disease. We lost a lot of boomers because they didn't want to partake in the remote work. They felt like that they couldn't be as effective. And so we saw a gap between um, what they were walking out the door with, the knowledge they were walking out the door with, and um, the knowledge that was staying within the organization, which was crucial. So 
And um, in my reverse mentoring program, I take uh, an executive coaching slash mentoring approach. And what I do is I actually um, get um, executives from all over, five to 10 of them in a cohort, and I pair them up with younger generational um, people who are high potential and need mentoring. What happens is we have a kickoff meeting. I explain the rules and they get together and it's a collegial pairing of information sharing. The boomer will say, here's what I would like to work on with you. The, um, X, the extra or millennial or Gen Z will say, here's what I would like to work on or learn from you. And they have their meetings. And in between, I coach the executive um, to absorb what they are learning and how can they then leave what they're learning as a legacy, both in that mentee as well as in their company. So it's been very re rewarding so, so far. Um, I've had one cohort and um, it's been really, it's really been fun to watch. Yeah, that's really cool. Now, you mentioned a couple of these new leadership competencies like social media marketing, I'll call it personal branding, yeah. or tech savvy. So in this concept of reverse mentoring, in essence, the the Z, the X, the millennial is teaching the boomer about the use of their iPhone or ways that they can do social media branding or fill in the blank. As a, And the boomer is sharing their wisdom about personal relationships or executive pre executive presence or whatever whatever the knowledge base that they have is is that am I on am I on to what this is you're on to it and the other thing I think the probably the biggest um difference in what you said and what actually happens is I start them off talking about values so we get into the technology later that might be something that they need to learn for sure as far as boomers go um, but we get into values because that to me is where the rubber hits the road as far as building corporate culture, building your own brand, building your career path. And when they talk about values, what they typically will say is, oh, now I understand because I didn't understand before. Um, or now I get why this is so very important to know this business, um, this piece of knowledge. Why is it so important to network? Why is it so important um, to be out there selling all the time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's very, it's very interesting what that values conversation actually leads into, but we like to start there. I bet. No, it makes a ton of sense because they are so different, as you mentioned earlier. Well, Julie, the book is called HR Like a Boss. You're on the HR Like a Boss podcast. I get all of my guests out of the show with this very last question of how would you describe someone that does HR Like a Boss? I would describe an HR Like a Boss person as someone who is side by side with their business partners, who understands how the business works, how the business supports its community, how the business makes money for its shareholders and or if it's a private company for um, the, the owners of the company, someone who understands how to apply human resources against the mission of an organization and make it something that is an enjoyable, fulfilling, purposeful for all involved. Mm, awesome. 
Well, there's a lot for me to recap here, everyone. I know you probably enjoyed this conversation I had with Julie, hopefully as much as I did. Wow, right people doing the right jobs. We started off with the purpose of HR, this opportunity to grow and love into our own purpose, having a job that you can grow and love to then aligning with your purpose. So profound. We talked a lot about generations and the differences between them, breaking down the walls and the stigmas between those generations. And, and what does each of them value? Because it's all different. It's it's all very different. We got a, we got a quick, I'll call it three-minute crash course learning on reverse mentoring, which is a really cool idea. So opportunity for those out there in the HR world to, to next time you get a group of leaders together and a diverse level of uh, maturity and experience to see how they can each learn from each other, not one, one directional. And then the opportunity to evaluate new leadership competencies, things like personal branding or social media marketing or, or tech savviness is an important part as we look at this new generation of leaders that comes our way. And then you ended with this side-by-side -side with your business partner. The key to doing HR like a boss is being a business leader first that connects the people to the purpose of the business and how can we make an impact not only on the employees' lives, but drive business results so we can do some good in the community. Yes. Julie, that was awesome. Thank you. I really this enjoyed having you on the show. Great <laughs> time. I've loved this. Thank you so much for having me, John. Thank you for listening to the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please leave a rating or review, or better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. Until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR.